All right. Push the button. All right. Did you have a good Christmas? Let me tell you, I think I've eaten more this week than I did previous month all put together. Uh, Had more dessert for sure than the months before that. And it's just a wonderful time of the year. and, And it's amazing how we have two great holidays right here at the end of the year. We have, of course, Christmas, which is my favorite and then New Year's, it, there, there's something about starting anew and just a fresh beginning. Uh, this morning, turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. I'm pretty hot in the monitors. Yeah, they're fixing it. All right. 1 Timothy chapter 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Let, let, let us all say those words and then I'll read the rest. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's try it again. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I want you to think about that. Listen to these words. Paul says this, For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and are trapped and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Now this morning, some people are going, Oh no, what have I come to hear this morning from Pastor John? Because we live in a country... That is very blessed. Can you say amen to that? You know, this this Christmas, I had a lot of trouble coming up with things that my family needed. And then you go to the things that they want. And it's amazing how they have a lot of what they want. You know what I mean when it when it comes to contentment. Now, now the Bible uses money because money you know, is what sustains us in life with the needs, the necessities of food, clothing and shelter and and so forth. But also it goes into other things. It goes into the, the, the blessings, but also into the extreme luxuries. Can we can we agree? Now, we live in Texas and one of the necessities that we think that really is a luxury is air conditioning. Can I get an amen from the Texans? You know, you know, we think that sometimes if, if we don't have air conditioning, we're just not going to make it. And I'm not making fun of whoever talks like that. That's me that talks like that. I'm, I'm just hot. Get up in that Mickey Mouse voice, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm hot. And if it's not, if I'm not careful, I become so discontented with where I'm at. I just, I just want to, I just want to whine. This morning... I want us to read the passage again that I read last week in Psalms 119, verse 18. Psalms 119, verse 18. That says this, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Open my eyes. It is referring to sometimes we go around and we don't realize that the Word of God, we can get revelation and knowledge out of to to be able to understand the things of God and make our life more fulfilling. 
A lot of times if we're not careful, we lean on our own understanding. We begin to work in a way that we think seems right for us, that, that seems right for everybody else that's around us. And that can lead more and more to discontentment. Don't let the enemy of discontentment cause you to quit because someone else's location seems better than you or where you're at at this time. I heard a story that, that went right with this that I believe that I shared some time ago, but I want to share it again. In the 1800s, a man named Ali Fabez lived in South Africa. He had, a, he had a wonderful farm that him and his family lived on, and it provided everything that they needed and even wanted some, after they sold their, their produce that was grown there on the farm. But one day, a traveler came through and, and stayed with them one night, and the, the family fed him, and he began to talk about all the things that he had experienced in his life. And one of the things that he experienced was that he had come from India. And back then in the 1800s, they were finding diamonds all over India. And so the traveler began to say, you know what? You, you look like you have a hard job here farming and, and making sure that all the ground is tilled up and then planting and then weeding. And then after the weeding, you have to wait for the harvest. And it's, the harvest is as, as hard as it is when you plant. It's just a hard life. You, lead. you would have so much better and, man, a sweeter life if you went to India like some of those people and found some big diamonds that are as big as bowling balls. I mean, they're just huge. And the story goes that Ali began to think about that until one day he put the farm up for sale, brought his family into town and put them in a rent house and said, I want you to stay here because I'm going to go to India and I'll come back. Because I know that I'm going to discover diamonds and, and I'm going to be rich and we're going to live better than we do now and everything's going to be taken care of. And off he went. The story goes that he went to India and for years he searched for the diamonds that, that would bring him more and more prosperity until one day he got to so depressed and so discouraged that he committed suicide by throwing himself in a, in a river, a raging river, and died. But the story takes a turn, how awful that is, becomes almost unimaginable because the man that bought his farm back in South Africa was, was going out and living in the same house, eating the same food that the land produced, using the same mule that was sold with the, the farm to plow the fields up there at the farm that he was plowing. And time and time again, he was so frustrated, this new guy, that he would take and pile up the rocks all over this place. He thought, this place is full of rocks. One day he was plowing again, and, and he found a rock that was kind of chipped, and it, and it kind of did a reflection from the sun, a kind of a prism of rainbows. And he, he decided, I'm going to take that in. That's prettier than anything that we have on our mantle. And I'll just set that right up there on the mantle, and that'll kind of be a kind of a conversational piece, maybe. It just so happened that the traveling priest that would come through the town went out to meet the new owner of the new farm and meet the new family and as he was sitting there at the dinner table and talking to the family, his eye caught that big rock that was on the mantle of the fireplace. And he said to the owner, he says, 
Do you know what that is? He says, yes, I do. He says, well, this place is covered with rocks. I can't plow any of the fields without getting rocks and piling them up. I can't even do a little garden here by the house because there's so many rocks. And that's one of them. And the priest said, do you know what that is? That black rock is a diamond in the raw. So they took that big diamond in and had it tested by a professional. And that diamond back in the 1800s was valued at 25000 At least four times that. Today would be 100000 plus for that diamond. And they went into that field and they began to discover all these things that were just rocks were really diamonds. It became the, the, the place that the gondolin mines of Africa began. And even the Queen of England made a comment one time, if I could get any of my diamonds where I get my future diamonds, I want them to come from that mine. That's how quality of diamonds they were. When I read that story and I, I say that story, the mind keeps coming back to the place of discontentment. Here's Ali, and he was living on this farm. He had everything that he needed, and to some extent, everything that he wanted. And he decided to leave what he had to go to do something else, when all the time he didn't know what was right under his feet. He didn't value what he had. This morning, I want us to get to that place where we put those verses together. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Oh, God. And then the second verse, godliness with contentment is great gain. It's what we focus on because what consumes your mind will control your life. Can I say it again? I'm going to do it anyway. What consumes your mind will control your life. See, contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want. But the realization of how much you already have. Paul says it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. I'm just going to summarize this verse for you. That Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. And he goes into details of all the different uh, contrast of lifestyle. He, he's been well fed. He's been hungry. You know, he's been in, in plenty and he's been in lack. But he says the secret to it is that he comes to the conclusion, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Godliness with contentment. Is great gain. See, there's something to be said about a person with self-control that has balance. See, what, what I know is that self-control is one of the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit working in our life. When we come and to Jesus Christ and we make Him not only our Savior, that our sins can be forgiven and that we can spend eternity with Him, but there is no two-way street. You can't just make that without also making the declaration that He's Lord of your life. Therefore, you allow Him to control your life. You allow His Word to be your roadmap, so to speak, in what you do. See, as believers, we have to realize that self-control is so important in a godly person's life. You have to get to the place where your mood. What is your mood? Your emotions that your mood doesn't shift based on the location of someone else. Don't allow to control, don't let others control the temperature in your life. 
Now, let me explain that. When I was setting and studying this and putting this on paper, I began to think of how many times if I'm not careful, when I become discontented, it's because somebody else has come into my life. And they're not doing it maliciously. There probably has been some that has, but they go, you know what I'm doing and where I'm at in life and all this. And, and I, I begin to. Well, I'm not there. And I can allow that person speaking into my ears or into my eye gate, you know, coming into my life where I can see it have, or my ear where it's getting inside of John Miller. If I'm not careful, the temperature in my life begins to drop. In other words, it begins to get cold. And all of a sudden, the discontentment that enters into my life, I begin to look and even my relationships can become colder because I'm not happy where I'm at. The happy things, the happenings in my life are not as good as I think somebody else's life. And if I'm not careful, I'll bring that in and the temperature begins to drop. I've let somebody else's desires of what's coming out of their mouth or their location at what God's doing in their life begin to build a discontentment in my life. Now, now again, it is... Very important for us as believers to understand this. Now, now, I want everybody to hear this. Good is the enemy to great. I'm not talking about selling out for average. I'm not talking about just settling because in everybody and in, in, in Christianity, some people limp, you know, in their spirituality, their faith. You know, God works some of the times and some of the time he doesn't. No, no, no. I'm not talking about settling because of, of everybody's average that just wants to be. No, no, I'm not talking about that. Matter of fact, probably if you attend our church, at least three out of every ten messages are on increase and stretching. But this morning, I want us to see at this last service of 2018, are you content where you are? Now, you might not, you might be saying, God is bringing me to another location in my life. But are you just tore up because you're not there already? You're not content with where God has you right now in your life? Because what will happen is, again, you'll become freezing you'll become cold to people and you'll say you know it's kind of that destination disease when i get there i'll be so much happier discontentment becomes an issue when the temperature begins to drop because what i found out is when you're when you're in discontentment you you might you might say it this way. If you are depressed right now in your life, you're living in the past. If you're anxious, you're living in the future so far out there. But there's something about living in the here and now, the present. You can experience the peace of now. That's why it's so important to read the word of God in James. and talks about don't get into all this worrying about tomorrow. Again, words become our actions. We begin to get cold about where we're at and we're not happy with because other people are in a different place. And we begin to speak those words and before long our actions begin to show exactly what we're 
thinking, and that is discontentment. Turn over to Luke chapter 15 real quick. This is a passage of Scripture that if you've been probably a believer for very long, you've heard about this passage of Scripture. It's very famous. And it says something to us that gives us kind of the feeling of, again, a wonderful father. It's called the prodigal son, which really it should be the compassionate father. And the story goes like this. Not long after that, we're talking about verse 13 of chapter 15. Not long after that, those few words are talking about this young man asking his father because he's discontented where he's at. Not long after he gets the money, not long after he gets the money, what happened? The younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. Again, my opinion is not long after that, that he sets off. He's hearing, again, talking about the acres of diamond story. The prodigal son, chances are, has heard somebody say, what you need to do that'll make you happy is you get some money and you go to that place over there and you'll be able to do all this and have all this and boy, you'll be better off. Now look what happens in this story called the prodigal son, just like it happens in our life. In verse 14 it says, after he had spent everything... Now, again, you might not spend everything, but sometimes we get into debt all we can get into. And we have no margin in our life because of discontentment. If I could just buy, 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 buy. Be careful. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to citizen of the country, of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now again, when he becomes in the need, not the want, he begins to think out of the need necessity. You know what I mean? You ever been there? I need a new boat. I need a new boat. I need a new boat until you don't have food money. Then all of a sudden, I don't need a new boat. I don't need a new boat. I need... Potatoes and meat. Everybody with me? You okay? <laughs> okay, let's keep going. You know what I mean. Discontentment. How many people own a car? How many own a 2019 brand new car? You, you see what I mean? Just a word or two and you're like, well, I don't. It's no fun anymore. I got french fries between my seats. I don't even smell that anymore. That leather that's... Okay. You're back. Again, he's in a need mode. Again, his lack of self-control in the situation has gotten him frozen. His options are lower or less. Again, self-control is strength. 
we, we got to remember, you can't get in a place where your mood begins to shift based on the location of someone else. Again, don't allow others to control the temperature in your life. It says this, and, and it, it, these words, six words. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. D d d he's coming to his senses of where his discontentment has led him. I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. He realized that he was not a hired servant until he gets to the place of need, necessity, and he's hired out feeding pigs. He sees himself in a different spot because now he doesn't have the options that he did at home working for dad or just being a, an heir to the, to the king ranch. So he thinks, man, I'll, I'll just go be a hired... That, that's, I have been so discontented about where I was, I'll go back and at least I'll be a hired person where I'll find the most happiness in my father's house. Can I say it again? Contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of how much you already have. Contentment. To realize in, as this year ends and a new year begins, that in 2018, realize that we're standing in acres of diamonds. Some of you are thinking, well, it wasn't acres of diamonds for me. I want to encourage you to start digging in your own backyard this year. Thoughts become words and words become actions. And every day that you get up and you go, you know, Jimmy has a better life than me. Those words will become actions and the action is the discontentment that will come from you. Let me ask you this. Who are you listening to? Because chances are who you're listening to, words change our thinking. When our thinking changes, it changes our emotions. When our emotions change, it changes our choices. Our choices are habits. Habits are character. And character are destiny. Verse 21, you, you can see that godliness with contentment is great gain. Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. Here's the young man and he comes to this conclusion in verse 21. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe. I, I love this story. And, and this is where the compassionate father sits in. And here the father comes around him. And as, as the boy is running or coming up to him, he's going out to him. And he says to the servants, get a robe, put it upon his shoulders. He says, get a ring and put it on his finger. Again, the family ring. I love this picture. If I was an artist, I'd draw a great picture right here because I can see it. 
But in my drawing ability, it'd be stick men, you know, with the big ring, you know. Okay. Bring a ring. Bring the sandals. He's barefoot. He's been in the pig pen. Come on. This is a compassionate father that says, I'm going to cover you up. I'm going to put shoes on you. You're my heir to everything that I have. Pretty much the older brother will have that. But at the same time, he's bringing him back into the family. Putting a ring on his finger. Sandals on his feet. A robe. And then what? All of our favorite part. Kill the fatty calf. We're going to celebrate. Now, if you're the youngest son, you're probably thinking, how long until that calf is done? Because I'm hungry. It's time to celebrate. I I want us to see this. So they began to celebrate. As I bring this the sermon to an end. I want, I want us to read Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah 17. If you're taking notes, write this down. And this is a good passage just to kind of read later and, and you know, put your notes right there by your Bible at night and you go, what do I read tonight? Don't just flow it open and there you go. That's good. No, put Jeremiah 17. Listen to this. This is what the Lord said. Who's the Lord? The creator of the universe? The king of all kings? Here we go. This is what he said. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. Now remember this. The person that's listening to ungodly counsel. And, and again, I'm not saying that people that are speaking in your life is ungodly. Sometimes we hear what they're doing and we twist it all. Well, I don't know. That's ungodly. That's coveting. That, that's wanting their stuff. What he's saying is, Don't put your trust in flesh, even if the flesh or man is you. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. Anybody up for living there? Not me. But there's good news. Bad news first, then the good news. Listen to this. But blessed! I kind of want to do that. Everybody awake? But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. I will rest in His promises. Didn't we confess that today during the... Okay. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. When April 15th, tax time comes, they don't fear. Let's go on. It does not fear when he, he does not fear when he comes. It leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought or recession, or the stock market, or the value of your home. They don't fear a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now now listen to this next passage. I want you to grasp this. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their 
conduct according to what their deeds deserves. Now, again, I, I, I think of this passage as the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Here's what I wanted you just to, as we're ending this message, that to realize that when you get into discontent much, the easiest thing for all of us to do is for our hearts that can be deceitful to say, I need that. I want that. Fill in the blank, whatever it is. And then your heart sends a signal to your brain that says, come up a reason. Come up with a reason why we need that. So that you can tell your husband or your wife but important you can tell yourself. And once that begins, that the heart begins to tell the mind to come up with it, then the mind comes up with a reason that you begin to confess. You become, words become actions. To realize that godliness with contentment is great gain. Again. To realize that every one of our situations that we get ourselves in, we have a different perspective than what we can have at the moment. We can change seats and look at it from a different perspective. When you think about the time that Jesus gave His life for us on the cross, and He's in the middle between two thieves, one on His left and one is on His right, we can all agree that they're in need. Because they're in the middle of the pain of crucifixion. But out of their mouths become two different perspectives that I want us to see. They're both suffering and pain, but one of them says, you are worthless. If you had anything, get us off this cross. But the other one with a different perspective says, are you kidding me? Same spot. And gets his eyes on what is the future and says, Will you remember me when you get to your kingdom, Jesus? Now, now watch the difference in both of those perspectives. One will spend eternity in hell, while the other one will spend eternity in heaven on the way that they're seeing it at the present moment of this morning. We know that our grace is sufficient for us. And we know that no matter what we did yesterday, that as Romans chapter 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. The good news of this message today is you might be stank belly low after spending all week with your family and going, well, I didn't know my sister was that popular and had all that. Well, I didn't know Aunt Mabel is going to give all her money to my sister or my brother. I don't know what we've gone through this week or this month. But what I'm asking you is to realize that you're standing in acres of diamonds. That it's time for us to say, it's not up to me to, to say, I, to get happy, I'm going to have to change my new job to another job, or I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to get another husband. <laughs> he don't have any hair on his head anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to get another church. Those people down there just didn't say anything to me, and the coffee was cold. And I could go on and on. But can we just this morning 
say, you know what? God has blessed me, right? And as God is leading us on to new and even better things as we believe, as the message of tongues and interpretation, God's always encouraging us to come on, come on, let's go. But to be content knowing that he has us right where we are and right where he wants us. And as we are following him, that's the godliness that is taught. That is the contentment. That is the great gain. That is like being like a tree that is planted by the water that bears fruit in every season, doesn't fear drought when it comes. Because our confidence is in him. It, it, it's we can rest, we can watch this, we can rest in his promises. What is his promises? His word, that what he's already said to us. We can rest and we can be confident in his faithfulness because we can see all the time his faithfulness working in our life we can be content we can say god you've blessed us and god this year is going to be better than last year and it's not because we're discontent because god we're going to follow you not follow us what we're going to consume our mind with is you god not with what's going on over there what's going on over there but god with you as I call the worship team back to begin to worship one more time before we leave this place and we start this week and, and we celebrate a new year, can we celebrate that we have a change coming in our life and that change is that we're going to be content in knowing that God has a place and we're in that place that He wants us to be. Let's pray this morning. Father, You are such a great Father. And Father, just in the story of being a compassionate father over the son that had become discontented and thought that he would find happiness in another place. God, as sometimes we do, we get off track. We begin to get our eyes on other things and we begin to hear other things and we begin to think if we could only buy that, if we could only go there, if we could only be that, if we could only, if we could only. And God, maybe we've become cold to you. And maybe we haven't done everything that we should have done this year. But God, we know, we know that you're compassionate and loving and will receive us back and forgive us. Because godliness with contentment is great. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? And maybe you don't even know the words. Maybe you do. But would you just close your eyes and just begin to say, God, I choose to be content in you. You are my answer. Not stuff, not, not locations other than here. But God, I will dig for diamonds in my own backyard. In your name we pray. Amen.